Hello and welcome to Mining Stock Daily with me, Paul Harris. Today we're talking about gold exploration in South America and I'm joined by Steve Parsons, CEO of Gold Source Mines. Good afternoon, Steve. Good afternoon, Paul. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, it's been a while since we've uh, we've caught up. Um, since that time, you've put out a resource statement in a resource estimate in April of about uh, 1.2 million ounces indicated, 580,000 ounces inferred at the Eagle Mountain project in Guyana. Um, tell us a little bit about that resource and what that means for the company. Let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it was a good outcome for us. We um, we spent the better part of 2021 um, infill drilling, which I know for a lot of, of investors, infill drilling is a bit of a bore because you're, by way of infill drilling, you're confirming a resource that, that you may or may not be getting credit for in your stock price anyway. So in our case, we, we uh, infill drilled about 17,000 meters, principally in the Eagle Mountain deposit. And that was to take what was a 800 and it was 848,000 ounces of indicated and look to increase that to something uh, something larger than what, about 1.2. So in the, in the end, we hit our target of about 1.2 million ounces of indicated with a resource update that came out in April of this year. And still, as you said, about 582,000 ounces of inferred. Um, so we, I mean, importantly with that, we've got a larger indicated resource um, to take towards a pre-feasibility study. I think as your audience would know, when you move uh, towards a pre-feasibility study, you cannot consider inferred resources. Um, a pre-fees can only be based on an indicated or better. And um, so hence the objective of, of infill drilling in 2021 to, to deliver a larger, larger indicated resource for that PFS. Um, yeah, Paul, so that was an important step for us to then put, uh, but as a starting point for starting that PFS work, but also of course with the PFS, we want to be able to, to get further information with respect to continuity, with respect to, we knew it was a shallow resource um, and we knew we've got the, the upper component of the resources is hosted in very weathered saprolite. Saprolites is, is sort of the, the the superficial component, uh, in our case, it's got in situ gold. It's about 500,000 ounces in total in, in the sap wave. It's free digging. It's no drilling, no blasting. You, you dig it with an excavator and you direct it to a low capex intensity mill, which we expect to be low capex intensity because you don't require all the front end uh, power infrastructure uh, for crushing and grinding. Um, and then you, so you direct it to the back end of the plant, which would be a co very conventional leach. So, so that drilling as well was important to both be able to, to get some better definition on the saprolite. Um, that would be a sort of a critical element of, uh, for sort of CapEx determinations. And then also um, to be able to demonstrate overall how shallow the resource is. And that's a, a real feature of, of Eagle Mountain, which I think it's harder for, for sort of maybe non-technical types to contextualize what that means for CapEx and what that means for OpEx. And in our case, of our 1.2 million ounces of, of indicated, the bulk of it has an average depth of only 35 meters. We can say that. I mean, I think people understand that that's very shallow, but it, but what that means for uh, total cash costs, all sustaining costs, what that means for CapEx is something we need to be able to, to help the investor contextualize quite likely with the PFS where we come out with, with what the costs are associated with that. 
Okay, thank, thank you, Steve. Let, let's talk a little bit about the PFS. Um, you mentioned you've got, I think you said uh, about 500,000 ounces in saprolite that uh, doesn't need milling, but obviously you've got another, what, 700,000 ounces that presumably does need some kind of uh, milling or additional processing. So in, in terms of the, the PFS, the pre-feasibility study that you're working on at the moment, what, what is it you're, you're looking to do with that? What sort of uh, mining and, and processing operation are you sort of putting together there? The, the PFS, we're, we're looking at some trade-off studies uh, for that at the moment. There's, I mean, the, the nice thing about Eagle Mountain and, and very few projects actually have real tangible opportunities to phase uh, phase the development. I think you'll, you'll see in a lot of projects require economies of scale from day one, usually because they're low grade and, and they need to push the tons to make it work. Um, whereas in our case, when you've got a different rock type or a different mineral type. In our case, we've got saprolite. Um, it is, it, that's right, it is very low capex intense. We think it's gonna be low capex intense. So we're, we're looking at the opportunity to, with the PFS, by way of trade-off studies, looking at starting in the saprolite um, with a sort of relatively small operation, I would say um, the throughput rates we're looking there sort of 5,000-ish tons a day, five to 6,000 tons a day. We'll, we'll, we'll fine tune that as we go. Um, at the, the resource grades on the saprolite. And, and that would be a, you know, you, the option here is you could stay in the saprolite for kind of eight years and walk away after eight years or, or at the time of your choosing, um, somewhere in that eight years of mine life with the saprolite, you then move into the fresh rock operations, you say, and that's more conventional. That's got, um, you know, the typical crushing and grinding infrastructure, all the power infrastructure that goes along with that. Um, so you've got the flexibility at some point, you know, and, and again, it's, it's at the time you were choosing, ideally it's at, uh, sort of a, a better backdrop than, than what we currently see in today's backdrop with, with very high inflationary pressure. So you, you, you find a point in time where it makes sense to do that. And, and then you move into phase two, which would be, which would be the, the sort of the larger, um, as far as, as far as ounces go, fresh rock operation. Okay. Thank you. And on, on the sort of pre-feasibility that feasibility study what was the sort of target date uh, where whereby you expect to have that we've guided for the first half of next year um there's you know of course still uh, quite a bit of work we need to do there um we've got uh, a number of metallurgical studies underway we've got some mining studies underway right now which which essentially are, are looking at exactly what I just talked about is is this phased approach and and looking at um sort of the scheduling of the mine plan to accommodate either a phased approach starting the saplite, then moving into the fresh rock and also looking at a blended approach from day one, which would be saplite and fresh rock from day one. So, so we're looking at all three of those options. Um, and again, this, the, you know, I think the right approach, both with respect to um, coming back with, I don't want to say maximizing NPV, but, you know, looking to maximize the NPV to a certain extent, but also optimizing it for execution. And I, I think the risk that a lot of companies like ourselves run into historically is they're so motivated to maximize a project and maximize a PFS or an FS for NPV that they deliver something that is is not very executable. So, so the objective that we have, and we have the ability to do it with the satellite is, is come back with a plan that is legitimately executable. 
Um, I, I think that sounds like a, a very shrewd uh, decision or, or uh, method, uh, Steve, because uh, a number of recent developments have run into the, the issues of having, for example, enough active faces to be able to um, deliver on their business plan um, and therefore run into sort of working capital issues. Um, but I want to sort of touch on a couple of things. Um, given that um, your PFS is due in the first half of next year, um, obviously, we've got another, let's say, five months of this year to see how the inflationary environment works through. You know, does it continue? Does it get worse? Does it ease off? Um, but um, so I guess it, having that additional time to see some of those through is beneficial. But I also wanted to sort of um, touch on another aspect. Um, the projects in Guyana. Guyana had a sort of big oil and gas discovery a, a number of years ago, so it's got a very vibrant and thriving oil and gas sector, and yet it's only a relatively small country. So is that creating other kinds of inflationary pressures or, or other challenges uh, for a gold explorer developer such as Gold Source? Yeah, that's a good question. Not yet. I mean, the, the, answer, the short answer is not yet. Um, the oil kind of really only came on stream at the end of 2019. Um, and 2020 was, was of course, a difficult year for oil. And then 2021, 2021 and 2022, of course, the country is benefiting substantially from much higher WTI oil prices. And, and the GDP last year, I think, was just over 20%. The GDP of the country for this year is, is forecast to be 46%. So it's on, on a GDP basis, it's the fastest growing economy in the world driven by oil and gas. So what does that mean? Of course, there's, there's a lot of foreign investment coming into Guyana. There's, that's good, that, you know, that's good, certainly with respect to infrastructure. And on that front, I mean, of course, mining companies is, as they're up and running will benefit from, from that infrastructure. And infrastructure focus is, is, is transportation and power. Uh, road upgrade projects, uh, one of which goes goes right by our, our project site. Uh, power infrastructure with respect to sort of a gas to shore power project, which will provide three phases of 90 megawatts, largely power that's, that's um, sort of localized in and around the coast around Georgetown. And then there's a hydro a hydropower project, which is about 50 kilometers north of us, which is which has also got the green light as well. So there's just a number of, of infrastructure projects which will benefit um, you know, mining, mining projects, particularly large-scale mining projects, which require you know, favorable transportation and, and power. Um, it's, it's, I guess, the labor pressures that could heighten um, in the period where those projects are being built out. That is, that is the point where we'll have to watch for that very closely. Um, as you say, the population of Guyana is, is not large. So, and those, and the infrastructure projects that are being planned are quite large. So there will be a, a pull on the, on the, on the labor pool and we have to manage that carefully. Now, I mean, that sort of really does speak to why we are looking at a phase development and starting in the Saprolate, of course, is, is the Saprolate is, is a, a low CapEx intensity, low um, human resources intensity project. The, the nature of it. So it it will allow us to navigate those pressures in the country, which which I'd expect to to manifest in the coming years. Um, and we could sort of manage sort of navigate that with the satellite project. And then, you know, ideally at some point in the future when when the infrastructure is in place is be in a position to to look at building out phase two, which is the more conventional hard rock project. So I mean when you see a situation like that, you you, you need to figure out how you're going to navigate 
those pressures. And they haven't hit yet, as they say, but quite likely we're, we'd be looking to build at the same time some, maybe not all, but some of those infrastructure projects are going ahead. It sounds like it's a, the typical scenario of timing is everything. Timing is everything. And I think the style of your deposit is, is also everything. Um, if you have a project that you, you don't have the flexibility to scale, you, you, you know, you really just, you, you've got to navigate, well, you're, you're really just at the whim of whatever the goal price is. You need the right goal price to make a positive development decision. And then you go ahead without any flexibility in the mind design. In our case, yeah, we think we've got a satellite project. We could build it on cycle or off cycle. On cycle meaning the goal price is in our favor, or off cycle meaning, you know, let's say the goal price is is, is rolled over, but we've still got sort of favorable economics to move ahead and and build and build that project. So, yeah, I, I think timing is everything. Flexibility in mining, particularly as it relates to development, is a lot. Um, you know, you've got to you've got to navigate the cycle, and and that's key. Okay. Um, thank you, Steve. Um, finally, um, let, let's close on um, um, upside question. Um, you, you're far from done exploring in, in this sort of Eagle Mountain area. You're, you're in a region there's been a lot of uh, alluvial mining, a lot of uh, small scale mining, and uh, you, you've got a lot more potential to, to, to dig into or look at on your concessions. Um, you've got a, um, a sort of more regional scale drilling program under, I, I understand. We do. We we this project has kind of always been focused on the on going back a number of years on the Eagle Mountain deposit. That was the initial discovery. That was on the western side of the prospecting license, um, and going way back, uh, Anaconda was there. Um, Golden Star, I'm Gold did a bit of work there, always focused on the Western side of the prospecting license because there was road access. There was a discovery made and there was road access and the focus was there about two, late 2018 or 2019. Then we discovered a deposit called Salbora. So there was some, some more exploration coming in into the, into the overall project area. We've had a number of other discoveries, Toucan, Soka, um, you know, Montgomery is another one we did a little bit of work on as well. So, so the, the, the exploration side, again, that's all been discoveries on the Western side of the property. This year for the first time, we, we've moved over to the Eastern side of the prospecting license. And, and again, there was, that was not road accessible. We had to cut roads in. Um, it is typical Guyana, it's, it's covered in jungle. So, so there's some work to do to cut the roads in. And, and we started doing the, the auger work, um, on that, on in, in and around some of the, the historical artisanal workings over there. So, so we'll see what that comes back with. Um, as you say, overall, the the region, even even so within our prospecting license, then regionally, you know, within five kilometers around us, in most directions, there is artisanal mining, and and some of those are actually significant sized artisanal mining operations. Several of which are are not just mining the alluvials; they're into the saprolite. So there is a a significant mineralized event here uh, or, or a series of mineralizing events that occurred in the Madia area and we're, and we're the largest foreign mining company in the area so you know over time and and uh, we'll see what happens but you know there there could be opportunities um, to look to grow our footprint and and take advantage of sort of that strategic positioning in the Madia area. Excellent. Sounds like there's going to be a lot more exploration results coming out uh, throughout the remainder of this year. Gold Source Mines trades on the TSXB under GXS. Steve Parsons, CEO, 
Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for your time. And that's all from me, Paul Harris. Join us for more from Mining Stock Daily soon. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.